Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson. Welcome. This program is produced weekly by the Christ Life Fellowship. Check us out, christ-life.org. Now, some of you may be tuning in for the first time today. Some of you may not. But for those of you who are, we are going into a conference that Warren Litzman had years ago in South Africa. He traveled the world, of course, doing these amazing conferences. And we've been concentrating on one in particular and it is powerful. So let's get right into it. Here's Warren. We've all made great changes in our life. I'm always blessed to be around Richard Cassidy, who led the music here. He's a wonderful man of God. But he's one in our fellowship who made a great change in his thinking. An unbelievable change. We were in a conference in Maryland. What was it? Right outside of Baltimore or somewhere there. The theme of the conference was grace. And Richard didn't want to come. But for years, his sister had been after him, had sent him literature and all sorts of stuff, trying to reach him. And finally, because she was his sister, he condescended to come to this conference with her. Now, Richard is no novice as a God's servant. He pastored a large Baptist church. I never was in the church, but he's driven me by the buildings of that church, and they occupy a whole block, just a whole bunch of buildings. He had lots of people. I could see why he didn't want to come to one of our conferences. But he did, under God's guidance. He sat through the whole thing. And the last meeting of the conference, I'll never forget this as long as I live. Richard came up to me, and he said, I'm a Baptist preacher. And he said, I thought I knew all about grace. He said, for the first time in this conference, I understand the grace of God. We talked for a little while. And he made another unusual statement. He said, you know, if anybody was to come into this thing, this Christ life, they'd have to start over from beginning again, wouldn't they? Oh, I didn't know how to answer that because I met very few people in my 40 years of preaching the Christ life who've ever come to that thought. That's what I had to do when I came into this. I had to start all over again. Richard saw that clearly. That was a work of the Holy Spirit in him. He said a person had to start all over again, wouldn't they? But he was hooked. The Holy Spirit was dealing with Richard. I never heard much from Richard for the next six months. And then I got a bombshell. He had resigned his Baptist church. He lost his life pension because he had to stay there till a certain year. He had been there for 30 years already. He lost most of his friends when he resigned because he had made his mind up to follow this Christ in him. That was a radical mind change. 
since that time, he's pulled together a little group of people. He's, he's took up the ministry of counseling and helps people on every level by counseling. But he had a mind change. So he's not here just to be going somewhere. He's here because this message and this life of Christ in him is bigger than he is. This conference ends on this note. That's up to you now. The eyes are going to have to do something. I, me. I make it clear again that I'm talking about your soulish part where your mind is. I'm not talking about your salvation part in spirit. That's perfect. That stands perfect before God because it's Christ. That's the part of you that cannot sin. That's why John said in his epistle, whosoever is birthed by God cannot commit sin. You ought to lean on that because that will help you to change your mind from you to him. Whoever is birthed by God, John says, cannot sin. He says five different things under the heading of a birthing or being begotten of God, which is the same. How important that is. You've got a birthing that has already taken place. Christ is in you. You can't sin on that level ever again because that's what Calvary put away. Calvary put away Adam's original sin, which caused the sin nature. That's out. So you stand perfect in your spirit. To God, you are a spirit being. You are a spirit being. That's why Paul, on three different occasions, made the statement <clears throat> that people who are in Christ are no longer Jew or Gentile, barbarian, Scythian, or even male or female. There is no tag put on you spirit-wise. You're a whole new creation in Christ Jesus, and so anything you was before doesn't count now. In your soulish area where your mind, will, and emotions are, you got a problem of ascending to that level. You still want to see through the glass darkly and say, well, I just don't think I could do that. I just don't know if I believe that. I don't know if I'm going to uh, interpret the scriptures like that. I've heard all excuses. But that's in your soulish part. In your spirit part, you stand perfect before God. Your soulish part's not going to get you to heaven. It's not going to take you there, nor will it keep you out of heaven. But your spirit part is what stands perfect before God. And that's why Paul uses that term. The new Bibles that come out change the word perfect to perfecting. What they do, they put the monkey back on believers to, to earn their salvation. You've got to be perfecting it. Not your salvation. My salvation is bought at the cross. My salvation came as a free gift from God. But my soulish part is a pain in the neck. Because it's hard for us to change our mind. The hardest thing you'll ever do is change your mind. So in my parting words, I'm going to talk to you about how
you can change your mind, how you can change your mind. I'm going to give you, it looks like it's four points here, Lord willing. I always say that and never get to the third one, but we've <clears throat> got four of them we're going to talk about. You need to accept yourself as one who is forgiven by God of past, present, and future failures and sins. You can't afford to carry the load that God hasn't forgiven me. You can't afford to go through life saying, well, God doesn't care about this situation or that situation. I ran into a family not long ago who had a child birthed to them that was an imbecile. And so their question to me was, how could God do a thing like this to us? What have we done that makes God do a thing like this? And, you know, I have to be careful not to just be flippant because i got an answer for everything. I've got thousands of answers and nobody's even asked me a question. <laughs> but my answer was simple. I said, you're looking at it wrong. The fact is, you were the only couple God could trust with a need like this. Don't look at God as if you had failed and sinned and God did something to you. Look at God in praise and thanksgiving that you could serve him in this way because that child is a child of God and probably will be till it dies because it may not have the ability to accept Jesus as Savior. I said, God's given you a gift. He, he thought he could trust you with it. Don't turn around and blame it on God. He's your father. When you say, God, why did this happen? That's the essence that the gospel hasn't been preached. This is the heart of the gospel, Christ in you. I heard this question a dozen times, I know, in the last month over the storms that hit uh, the United States. Somebody would say to me, well, why did God do that? Islam put out a word right away that God is bringing judgment on America. <laughs> that made headlines until an earthquake hit. And I never heard another word out of the Islamic people. <laughs> you see, we're all messed up in our thinking, in our minds. We don't give God any credit at all. And I, I told people, God trusted us in America with this. But I'm going to tell you, God wasn't behind it. I don't believe God's behind storms. I think he created the world and the creation of the world operates on the basis of his creation. So storms are going to come. And believe it or not, America has had bad years like that before where we had a whole bunch of storms in the southern part 
of the nation. So you can't blame that on God. But God has trusted us in such a way that we can handle these. That's why Paul goes into the ordeal of saying, saints, when you're weak, that's when you're strong. When everything goes bad, that's when you're good. We well, see, we don't live by that rule. We're still under the kingdom message, the old kingdom message that even Jesus of Nazareth taught, said if you're good, everything's going to work out. It isn't that way in grace. And it isn't that way in life now. This dispensation is under grace. It's not under the kingdom. It's not under law. So the first thing you do is to accept yourself as forgiven. Point number two. You will learn to do without the approval of other people. when we know God approves of us. Get that fixed in your mind. We're sort of arranged in our world today, in our thinking, the whole culture of our thinking has forced us to believe that if everybody doesn't approve of us, there's something wrong with us. You know what I think about the gospel? I think Christians have sought approval so much that we have the weakest gospel in this generation that's ever been preached. I'm not talking about God not doing things. He's doing great things. He, he's doing them ever. That's grace. When God performs miracles and does great things, that's His grace. He, a miracle is not done because somebody was real righteous, religious, or full of faith. It's done because that's a God thing. He did that. I've had a number of miracles in my life, and I scratch my head, and I say, you sure do love me, Lord. I don't earn that at all. I'm not worthy of that. But you don't need the approval of everybody else because God approves of you. How do I know God approves of us? Because the day you fell on your face before God, as it were, and asked Him for salvation, accepted Jesus as your Savior, He took you in because He has never turned one down that asked to be saved. Now you can't measure that by religion. Religion has a code that must be met, but God has none. There are churches I couldn't get into in our world today. They wouldn't let me in at all. I wouldn't pass the catechism test <laughs> or whatever test it is. There are places you couldn't get in. But God approves of us because he created you in his image and likeness so that your creation responds to and receives 
the person of Christ as its life. Get that fixed in your mind. The way God created you has caused you to be fixed to receive Christ and Christ to be your life. See? Only God could do that. Only God could know that every one of us were different. And yet when He created us, He created us that one day we would accept Jesus as our Savior and that would complete our creation. So Paul would say we're completed in Christ. You see? That's what a human being is. He is an incomplete, uncompleted human until he accepts Jesus. But sadly, probably 90% of Christians are still not living the complete life, though it is in them, a part of them, and fits them. But their mind has never received it. They've never accepted it in their mind. There's never been anything wrong with you. When you came out of a mother's womb, you were a creation of God. And sadly, you got tied up with people, mom and daddy, relatives, friends, later on schools, education, college, and then church, religion. And along the way, anything that would have drawn you to your creation was never mentioned to you. Nobody ever told you that you were a creature of God that was incomplete and just needed a Savior in you. Don't live like that any longer. Don't go that way any longer. Talk to God about that. Talk to God about who you are. Point number three. Once you know who you are in Christ, your feeling toward others will be manifested by that knowing. Knowing who you are in Christ. Then your feeling toward others will change. My wife likes to say I'm laid back. But what I had to do when I knew Christ was my life was to respect the fact that everyone who confessed with their lips that they were saved, I had to accept that because I'm never to judge another believer. Never to judge them. That was hard struggle for me to get over because I was put with multitudes of people that I thought were dumb, ignorant, selfish, fools. And one day the Holy Spirit corrected me and said, be careful there, they've been birthed by God. Well, that was hard on me because I had to change my mind around about how to deal with human beings. And those same crazy people, those same fools, I thought, had Christ in them, but their problem 
was not that they were bad people. It was because they didn't know who they were. So what they were doing, they were being what somebody taught them. Mama had a bad spirit. Daddy had a bad temper. You get raised in a family like that, you can't expect the child to be much different. And so everybody is a product of their past and their upbringing. But when you get saved, old things are supposed to pass away. Behold, all things become new. You're a new creation. Religion has never known how to handle a new creation. That's why they don't preach on that very much. I think religion won't preach on it because they think a new creation may not pay tithes and offerings. <laughs> and I'm not saying that off the top of my head because I had a preacher tell me one time, he said, if all my people thought Christ lived in them, I could not meet this church note. He was right. They thought Christ lived in them. That probably the least of their ideas building this sanctuary. But you know, I told another brother not long ago who said he didn't know whether he could preach the in Christ message to his congregation for fear of what it would do to his program. I said to him, did you know that if you preach grace and nothing but grace, you would find for the first time in your ministry what sufficiency was? Paul said his grace is sufficient. What is sufficiency? God meeting the need. God's work. Trust him for that. We do this in the Christ life. In the Christ life in America, the only offering we actually receive from the people where you, where you pass a plate through it is at our big conference, annual conference there once a year. We did that because of the crowd. It's large crowd and so forth, but it just happened that doesn't mean anything. Otherwise, we always have a box where people can give. And you know that box has always met the need. It's always been sufficient because people who love God are going to give. And I told this dear pastor, I said, the people who love God and are being fed, you can't stop them from giving. But I said, you can worry and wear yourself out trying to get money out of them. What is my point now? You can feel toward others as Christ feels toward them. Well, somebody said to me, what if you make a big mistake? What if you give all that kind of love to somebody that's a reprobate? Not really saved. They lied to you. They weren't saved. Oh, I said, that's not my business. My father will take care of them. It's not even something I should have known. If somebody comes and tells me they're a born-again Christian, the Scripture said that's all they need to do is confess that. If they lie about it, they're the fool, not me for believing them. If you lied to God about your relationship, you're the one in trouble, not the rest of us who loved you on the basis of what the Scripture said was the only point we could judge. If you say it, we'll accept it. Point number four, last thought to be made. You're never to see yourself as one wearing rags. 
rags, R-A-G-S. I take that from the prodigal son. When he got up and left the hog pen and got to the father's house, he was in rags. He was down in his spirit. And his first words were, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Why didn't that father say, yes, you're right. You're really not worthy, but we love you, and we're going to take you in. No, sir. You know why the father couldn't say that? Because that father's seed was in that boy. The seed of that father was in that boy. And so the first thing the father says, kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a feast. We're going to celebrate. My son that was lost is now found. See the difference? Some Christians are always coming to God in rags. You know how I approach God? As a father. When I'm wrong, I say, Father, I made a fool out of myself. I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I talk to him about it. I don't empty it out to my next door neighbor or to somebody else. I empty it out to my father. Because in the long run, he's the one that's going to deal with it. But I lift my load by turning it over to him. The one thing I've learned about prayer is the best thing to do when you have a need is to turn it over to God without going through all the conflicts of prayer and fasting and everything else. Not that they're bad. But won't you just turn it over to God in the first place? Because you have to do that in the last place anyhow. You would act more like a son and child of God. You'd act more like somebody who really knew Christ lived in them. If you'd do that in the beginning, turn it over to him. I was visiting somebody sick in the hospital not long ago. I think they were dying. And the thought came to me how to pray for them because there'd been other preachers in there and they was all rebuking the devil and bringing forth new life and so forth, which which is okay if that's to where you are. But I looked down at him and I said, he that's in you is bigger than anything against you. Trust him. Trust him. I say to the sick when I visit them, the healer is in you. He's in you. Trust him. Christ is the only healer there is. Trust him. Sure you fail. Sure you fall short. But let your mind get clear that Christ lives in you. How do you get that clear mind? You don't. That's where you need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to reveal Christ in you. 1 Corinthians 2, I cannot see it. Ears cannot hear it, and hearts cannot feel it. But these things will be revealed to you by His Spirit. Ephesians 1.17 I'm praying for you, Paul says, that you might have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. 
Our text says, I have suffered the loss of all things for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Don't be taken up with the thing of the world in your mind, but ultimately be taken up with the things of the Lord. I don't talk to you about correcting your old life. You should know by now that I have no interest in trying to make you a better kingdom believer. Because I don't believe that's for us today. I have spent my time talking to you about a new life. You being a new creation. You dropping the old life in your thought. I've told you that you already are that new creation to God. If you want to live a willful life and never assent to that yourself, you're a loser. But if you want to grow up in Him, if you want to come to the full stature of who you are in your creation, then you and your mind are going to have to make the decision. All that matters is Christ. That's what Paul says two or three times. He's all in all. He's total. He's all in all. That's what a Christian is. This will change your home. Change your marriage. Change your business. Change your profession. Not that you leave a one of them. Stay right where you are unless God moves you. But the change will come in that you'll stop doing it and Christ will be your life. He'll be the doer. But that's a thing that's still in your mind. Let this mind be in you. It's available. You're capable. You lack for nothing. It's yours. It'll just take a little time because you're going to have a wrestling match with what you were. Your identity is going to be hurt. You won't be the same person. You'll actually be a Christian. To God, you are that already. But he'll not force you to be that on your own unless you want it. I've had great joy talking to you this time. You're the greatest group of people I've ever seen this day. That's right, you are. I hope to see you again at Bloemfontein. My reasoning is that there should be nothing in your life to keep growing in this message. Set aside whatever is in your life to be at Bloemfontein. I can't be everywhere, but we've made a relationship with God that he has worked out so far two places in southern Africa. 
we hear a lot from Nigeria, people want to come. If they want to come, they need to come. They need to make their mind up to come. We have people in northern Africa that want to come. If they want to come, they got to come to South Africa because I can't be at every place. I'm not supposed to. But God has ordained that we have two conferences a year. Allow for it. Set it on your calendar. Don't let anything interfere with it. I don't need you as a crowd. I go anywhere and get a crowd. I sure don't need your money. Sometimes I get some from you. I appreciate that. What I need is the body of Christ to come to life in these truths. That's what we need. You understand that? I'm not building anybody but you. Building you up in this faith of Christ our life. Make your plans for bloom now. Nice big auditorium, nice city. But that doesn't matter. If we were meeting out here in the desert part with no tent even, you should still come. It's not a holiday. It's a training ground. So put it on your calendar and when you write it down, say, God, I love you enough to do this. If you don't write it down, still say, God, I love you enough to do this. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, this is it. Would you stand and take your neighbor by the hand? Well, we've got to say goodbye to him again. Remember, look that person in the eye you're dealing with. If they confess that they have accepted Jesus as their Savior, the only salvation there is is Christ in them. Respect that and see what kind of changes will take place where you are. So look them in the eye and say, I see Jesus in you. I see Jesus in you. In your life and all that you do. I see Jesus in you because I see Jesus in me. I see Jesus in me, in my life and all that I do. I see Jesus in me. Hug every neck you can till we meet again. God bless you. Okay, we'll stop right here for this week. We hope you've enjoyed this piece of a conference that Warren had in uh, South Africa years ago. Very, very powerful, and we're glad we could share it with you. Now, let us encourage you to go to our website, christ-life.org, and we'd love for you to click on that tab at the top of the page about the fellowships. You can actually start a fellowship in your home with one or more people, and we supply you with all of the information you need about this Christ Life message. It's very easy, and it is very, very wonderful and a blessed thing to do this. I do it, and I love it. Check it out, christ-life.org. Click on the fellowship page right at the top, and read all about it. That helps us spread this great in Christ message around the world, and it's free to use. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us for this week. We want to thank Robbie Litzman for allowing us to go into the archives each and every week to bring you these wonderful podcasts. 
Valerie Hill, thank you for doing our Twitter account. Tammy Laycock, thank you so much for doing our weekly podcast notes. And Teresa Ferraro is our wonderful producer from the Christ Life Fellowship. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ Life.